Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday, September the 22nd, 2022. I'm using Amanda's computer this morning. Um, I don't know if it's my computer that's the problem. Crazy stuff, but we're here, and I'm delighted to be with you. And happy fall, everybody. I think it's going to be a hot first day of fall here in Virginia. But I think that the high is going to be in the mid-60s tomorrow. Things are a-changing, so that's very, very exciting. I hope that you all are doing well. And again, I appreciate your patience as um, I have struggled with technology all week long. But hopefully we are back on track. Where we're picking up today is where we uh, really got started with yesterday. Um, John chapter 10, verse 11, when Jesus issues the next of his I am statements, evoking the name of God. And this time in John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. As we remarked yesterday, four different times, and I said this is where we pick up today, four different times Jesus as the good shepherd references the fact that he lays down his life for the sheep. Obviously, let me, uh, let me pull this too because that's going to be messing with us there. That's a little bit better. Obviously, uh, Jesus talks about protecting the sheep over and over and over again. Protecting the sheep from what though? That's where we're picking up today. Let me pray and then we will dig in. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to have this time together. I praise you that you have given it to us and I ask that you would work in this time to give us a greater appreciation of who you are, um, that we would focus on you intently and trust in you. Father, the world offers so many alternatives for us to, to, to trust in, to invest in, to hope in, to all of those things. And yet, our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. Our trust should be in Jesus Christ alone. And ultimately, our fulfillment should be based on our relationship with Jesus Christ alone. Not all these other alternatives that do nothing but disappoint. So please, guide us right now. Help us to appreciate who you are, what you have done, and what you will yet do. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 10, we're going to pick up reading where we actually started yesterday in verse 11. Now, this is after Jesus has given the, the previous I am statement saying, I am the gate for the sheep or I am the gate. And so we come to verse 11 and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, pause right there for a moment. Yesterday, we went over how four different times, again, four times, Jesus says he lays down his life for the sheep. That implies something. That implies that the sheep is in danger. But who is the sheep in danger of, right? What is this danger that Jesus is talking about that he must face as the good shepherd? Well, y'all, ultimately, there are four forms of danger that are present here. The first is mentioned in what we read yesterday. When Jesus starts talking about this individual referred to as the hireling, right? Okay, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. The second thing or person or, or individual or idea that the sheep need protecting from is in the next line of verse 12. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You know, it's fascinating. The first form of danger doesn't come from the wolf. It comes from the hireling. Who is the hireling, right? The hireling is the one that has been charged with caring for the sheep. The hireling is the one that has been charged with keeping an eye out for danger. And yet, because he's just a hireling, because it's just a job, because it's just a paycheck, because it's just an occupation or whatever. And ultimately, because he doesn't know the sheep and he doesn't love the sheep, the hireling checks out. The hireling would never lay down his life for the sheep because the sheep are not his. Right? Now, <clears throat> all of this, this cryptic talk about the hireling, who is Jesus talking about here when he's talking about the hireling? You know, this is kind of a mystery. It's very broad what Jesus is saying here. It's very much the same as at the start of the chapter when he talks about the one, in, and I'm in, in chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. All right? Um, and then he goes on to describe the man who tries to enter the pen. In essence... Who Jesus is talking about, the hireling here, is, it can be many different things, right? In Jesus' context, it could be everything from the false prophet to the priest that cares nothing for the real word of God. It could be the Levite. You know, Jesus tells parables about Levites and priests and so on. Um, so it could be a, a broad number of things. It could be the leaders of the Jewish people that he's talking about. But it goes back to this idea of one who has been given the charge to care for God's flock, right? The hireling that Jesus is speaking about is the one that ought to be caring for God's flock, the one who has committed to care for God's flock, and yet, when danger comes, that individual takes off. Now, um, trying to get a little bit more specific, we need to pay attention to the types of danger. That, that's the second thing that Jesus warns against here, the wolf. Um, Y'all, the context of this obviously was livestock. Um, I, I mentioned when I preached on this passage not too long ago, when we first moved to this house, and you can't see it because the light will mess it all up, but outside I'm probably looking at, uh, again, it's hard to count sheep. You get sleepy, but I'm probably looking at 50 or 60 sheep right now. I tried to count them the other day, and I came up with 70, but they all kind of blend together from this distance. But I'm probably looking at 50 or 60 sheep right now. They're just grazing peacefully. When we first moved to this house, however, um, the land right beside us was not yet sold. It was so overgrown that it was a network for coyotes. And the first several months we lived here, it was nothing to look out and see a dead sheep. Very clearly, it had been mangled by one of the coyotes. Um, our neighbors actually bought the land beside their sheep pasture and have redeemed that, that land. They also put up some different fencing, and I don't remember the last time a coyote got in there. But nevertheless, they protected their sheep. The reason I mention that is that's the context of this. The sheep that gets separated from the flock, the sheep that gets carried away, gets mangled, gets killed, gets eaten. Now, obviously, Jesus is speaking in metaphorical language here, right? What does that look like? Well, it looks like the one that gets separated from the flock of Jesus Christ. It looks like the one that the evil one tries to snatch away. 
It looks like the one that wanders off and gets mangled, gets lost. We'll come back to that prospect in just a few minutes here. But nevertheless, that's who Jesus is talking about. Um, and again, in his time, the wolf that, that he needs to lay down his life to protect the sheep from is everyone from the chief priest, from the rabbis, from, from the Levites, from those who claim to be prophets, to Satan himself. Ultimately, Satan is the wolf. Satan is the one who desires that we get separated from the flock. Remember what Jesus said to Simon Peter? There at the Last Supper, after Simon Peter said, No, Lord, I'll never betray you. I'll die before I betray you. Jesus' response to him was, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. That's what Satan wants to do with all of us. He wants to pull us away. He wants to pull us apart and let us fall empty away. Of course, Jesus prayed for Peter <clears throat> that when he fell away, he would be restored. But nevertheless, nevertheless, that's ultimately who he's talking about. The question is for us, who is the wolf in our context? We don't have chief priests. We don't have rabbis. Well, before we say that we don't have chief priests, though, we sure do treat a lot of men like chief priests. You know, the wolf is the one on television that really is only interested in getting your money. And so he's the preacher that tickles your ears with things that never would offend anyone because he never talks about sin. He never tries to call people to repentance. He never does any of those things because he's the wolf, right? So the wolf can sometimes be these ultra popular figures that don't know Jesus, that are only interested in buying their next jet. The wolf can also be the pastor. doesn't have to be some megachurch pastor. The wolf is any quote pastor. They're not really pastors. Just like the hireling isn't really the shepherd. They're not really under shepherds of God's flock when they refuse to re protect you from the lies of the world. Y'all, the country is full of preachers. Full of preachers. And I'm not even going to call them pastors because they're not. But the country is full of preachers that deny the truth of God's word or keep the truth of God's word held at bay. They may not preach against certain passages in God's word, but they'll never preach a sermon on them. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the thing where they won't come right out and say that they support homosexuality, but they'll never preach a sermon against it, right? It's, it's that same principle. Again, I've said this so many times. If you're going to a church like that, it ain't a church. If you have a pastor like that, that individual is not a pastor. They are the wolf. Okay, And it's time to call the wolf what it is. If I didn't call the wolf what the wolf is, then I would be just as guilty. Anyone who tries to add to salvation by saying that salvation is Jesus Christ plus fill in the blank equals salvation, that person's the wolf. Obviously, those who deny Jesus Christ, like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, cult members, obviously they are the wolf. The mega preachers who will never tell you the truth, that they just want your money, they are the wolf. Okay, That's who Jesus is talking about here. But in your little tiny church in the middle of nowhere, if it's a church where that pastor does not believe that the Bible really is God's word, if they believe that the Bible has errors, if they refuse to preach all of God's word, they are the wolf. And I love you enough to tell you, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the wolf. And I'm not going to be the hireling. Okay? That's 
what this paradigm is that Jesus is talking about. The hireling is the one that has been given charge to care for the sheep, but doesn't. And that comes in many forms. The wolf is the one that would destroy the sheep. Sometimes preachers can become hirelings, and sometimes people who think that they are sheep are actually wolves. And that's what we need to be really careful about. Sometimes the danger that we need to be protected from is not something far off. We can be the danger. If you're trying to stir up discord and wrath, if you're a gossip, if you're holding grudges, if you're a complainer and a grumbler, if you're willing to talk about somebody instead of going and talking to them, watch out around full moons because you might start howling. You may not want to be the wolf, but guess what? Satan will use you to do everything he can to destroy your church. All right? So those are the first two forms of danger that the shepherd lays down his life. The good shepherd lays down his life to protect the sheep from these things. And that ought to tell you something if you're acting like a wolf. You're going to have to contend with the good shepherd. And you're going to have to contend with his under shepherds who are faithful. But that's not the only danger that the sheep face. I've already referenced another danger the sheep face, and that is that the sheep face the danger of themselves. I've alluded to this, but the concept of sheep wandering away. I love the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, because of the verse that says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave this life I love. Y'all, we are prone to wander. There's a reason why all throughout scripture and all the descriptors for God's people, the fact that he refers to us as his sheep is one of the most common. Everything from um, the Old Testament prophets who referred to God's people as sheep to certainly the New Testament paradigm of Jesus's parables, right? Even probably what is the most well-known passage in all of God's word, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If the Lord is your shepherd, it assumes that you are one of his sheep, okay? And sheep are prone to wander. I mentioned, uh, I mentioned this reality that, that we faced when we moved here, that, that the coyotes would get in and, and kill the sheep. I think they killed nine or ten of them before they were able to, to handle the situation. But nevertheless, y'all, sheep are, are, are really in danger a lot of times because of their refusal to recognize danger. Sometimes they recognize it and they take off. Um, as Jesus referenced here, the sheep won't follow the hireling because they don't know him. He's not really their shepherd. But nevertheless, sheep have a real problem when it comes to detecting danger. Um, that's the matter of fact. That's why it's so important to, to stay a part of the flock. That's why it's so important to remain under the good shepherd. Now, to that end, I got to tell you something. And again, it's because I love you enough to tell you. If you are a wandering sheep, realize what happens to any animal that gets separated from the herd. Any animal that gets separated from the flock. If you are not a regular part of a Bible-believing church, if you are not regularly sitting under the preaching of God's word, if you are not regularly participating in worshiping the Lord, then you are a sheep that is separated from the flock. You need to find a church. 
And as much as I love having you for daily devotionals, as much as I love when, when people join in on Sunday mornings, y'all, watching church is never a substitute for being a part of a church. Ever. Don't fool yourself. If you get into this pattern, it's, it's like the, the saying, I, I love the saying, the, 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 oh, hot, and it's leaving my mind now, the exact wording. Um, but it's to, it, in effect, it's the danger of missing church is that soon you won't be missing it. Did you catch that? The danger of missing church is that soon you won't be missing it. Y'all, once you start to wander, it's easy to wander more and more. And the more you wander, the more you get separated. And the more separated you are from the flock, guess what? The more vulnerable you are to attack, to being mangled, to being dragged away and separated. So the first danger to the sheep is the hiring. The second danger is the wolf. The third danger is the sheep willfully leaving willfully wandering away don't do that don't do it get yourself in a bible believing church it doesn't have to be old providence but it needs to be somewhere okay now there is a fourth danger right and it's sort of it's not explicitly pointed out here but as jesus continues let's just read John 10, verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Y'all, the fourth form of danger that Jesus is alluding to here is ultimate danger. And what I mean by that is ultimate death. Jesus embarks on talking about these sheep that are not part of his flock and he's got to go to them. Most assuredly, what he's talking about there or who he's talking about there are those outside of Judea, right? He's talking about those that are across the Jordan, as it were. He's talking about Gentiles, right? We know that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. We know that he came unto the Jews, but his own would not receive him. But Jesus is talking about the fact that he has sheep everywhere that he needs to bring into the fold. Why? Because he's going to die for the sheep to save them from ultimate death. What Jesus is talking about here, and he's still maintaining some of this messianic secret, right? He's not explicitly spelling it out. But he's talking about the fact that he is going to lay down his life as a substitute for his sheep. We know that he is fulfilling God's law perfectly. And we know that the wages of sin are death. But Jesus is going to take the wages of sin that he didn't earn. In fact, he would take the wages of sin that all of his sheep would earn. And he'd take that upon himself. And then, when dying, the grave would not be able to hold him. Everything would be turned on its head. That's how wonderful our Savior is. But y'all, you have to see just how clear and present that danger is. Y'all, if there was any other way for Jesus to save us, don't you think he would do it? 
That's why not only is are, are religions like Mormonisms and Jehovah's Witnesses, they're cults because they don't believe that Jesus is really God. But aside from that, they don't even make sense. Right? Take Mormons, for instance. They call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Then if you ask them, say, oh yes, we're saved by Jesus. But what they really mean is, is that we're saved by Jesus' example. Right, that he laid down his life, he provided us for the perfect example, and if we'll just follow him, then we'll be saved too. And y'all, that sounds nice up front. There's a problem though. Number one, we can't follow Jesus' example, not completely, not fully. And one sin will keep you separated from God forever. He's holy. He can't be with that which is not holy. Right? But aside from that, y'all, did we need an example to follow? Now, we have tons of examples in God's word of those who walked in an upright manner. Why not follow Joseph's example? Hmm? Take your pick. There's so many examples. Plus, it's not like we don't know the right things to do. God's law is written on our heart. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. The problem isn't knowing. The problem is we don't want to do it. And so because of that, we didn't need an example to follow. We needed somebody to die in our place. And if Jesus isn't God, he can't, <clears throat> he can't have died in our place. If Jesus isn't fully man, he cannot die in our place. That's the problem with these cults, these faulty religions. Not only are they wrong because they deny Christ, they're wrong because they just don't make any sense. Jesus is pointing to the ultimate danger that we face here. And that ultimate danger is death eternal separation from God, and yet, with authority, with purpose, Jesus reveals that he is on a mission, and that mission ultimately is to be the good shepherd and to lay down his life for the sheep. Tomorrow we're going to pick up <clears throat> with what happens next. The question is, are you in danger? All of us are to a certain extent, but Let's start at the end. Do you know Jesus? Do you belong to him? If you do not, then eternal death, separation from him forever in hell is your inheritance. It's only through Jesus that you'll be saved. Walking it back a little bit more, if you know him, are you separated from the flock? Are you trying to wander away? If so, watch out. Walking it back a little bit further, is there a wolf around you? Are you listening to bad preaching? Are you submitting to the theology of the pit? Or are your canines growing long there? Are you acting like the wolf? Then finally, are you under a hireling who doesn't really love you? Who won't tell you the truth? Who won't preach God's word? The answer to these is yes. You need Jesus. Turn to him now. Let's pray. <clears throat> our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to have had this time together, and I pray your blessings on it. Again, give us grateful hearts as we reflect on Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Let us not be like the sheep that are wandering away. Let us not be wolves that would seek to tear apart. Instead, let us trust. Let us hope in you and you alone. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back Sunday morning at 9 a.m., or excuse me, 10 a.m., 
And then Monday morning at 7 a.m., I see Christine, good morning, and there's Monica, happy fall to you. And there's my good friend Wayne there. Um, welcome to you, Wayne. You made it on time, brother. And then there's Alice, good morning, and Jack and Patsy and Becky and the other Becky and Helen. And oh no, my audio video is not in sync. Well, it would be like the old Godzilla movie there. <clears throat> so anyway, um, and then there's Christine again. Yes, one of my favorite hymns. And there's Elizabeth. Again, thank you all so much for being with me this morning. Lord willing, um, we'll be back Sunday morning at 10 and then Monday morning at 7 but make the decision to be in church this Sunday. Regular part of a Bible-believing church. Y'all have a great weekend.